Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is a creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show, and I've got a great friend uh, that uh, I've known for many, many years. Uh, his name is Andy Berman. He is best known for uh, his memoir called Electro Boy, uh, which is a phenomenal piece of work about what he went through through dealing with manic depression and and uh, mental health. And uh, we're going to be talking with him today about uh, what's new uh, and where he is today and what he's doing and also to offer some help to those who uh, may be suffering from uh, some of these same uh, uh, mental health challenges. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, Andy, anytime. I was, I'm just happy to reconnect with you. So, uh, tell me about what's going on. Uh, no, Electro Boy is uh, getting ready to uh, come back out again in a, in a new edition, or, or correct? Uh, it's uh, uh, the book which uh, Random House published. Wow, it's been uh, more than a decade ago. Before we even called uh, uh, bipolar disorder, bipolar disorder. I even refer to it in, in the book as manic depression, right. which is a term that's not used as much, uh, really not used much at all. Uh, but the book was published 10 years ago in in the U.S. and Canada and then in seven other countries. Um, but now the book will c- come out in a, a, a brand-new paperback edition in September of 2013. Wow, how incredible. So yes. back then it was called, you called it manic depression. Now we know it's bipolarism. Um, exactly. Bipolar disorder, right. What, what you know, and, and we hear the term bipolarism quite a bit now, especially in the entertainment industry. Uh, I think it's almost becoming, I don't want to say cliche, but uh, it's definitely uh, more accepted and understood now than ever before. What is your take on it? Well, I, I don't necessarily know. I mean, um, it's uh, more diagnosed than it ever was before. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It may be overdiagnosed. That's my opinion. Um, it's much more in the news. Uh, it's much more in the media, entertainment media. But unfortunately, uh, bipolar disorder still has a stigma attached to it. And stigma is not my favorite word. It's a mm-hmm. huge word in the mental health community. But I like the word discrimination because that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us who are, you know, are functioning or high functioning who say we have bipolar disorder, uh, there's a tremendous amount of discrimination. I mean, there's a tremendous fear, for example, that men with bipolar disorder are extremely violent. Um, the truth is that 
men with bipolar disorder or women with bipolar disorder too um, are three times more likely to be victims of a violent crime than to commit one. So, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, all of those all of those stereotypes are still there. You know, I mean, the general stereotype is that somebody with bipolar disorder is crazy, and you better watch out. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's uh, <laughs> right. Right. Now there are so, uh, very different levels of bipolarism, obviously. You know, uh, so I, I want to talk about that as well. Uh, sure. But um, you know, from it also seems to be a confusion between people who have and suffer from depression. Uh, versus, Absolutely, and, versus and, and those are two versus separate diagnoses. Yeah. Uh, although, for example, uh, you know, it, it is true to say it is fair to say that people with bipolar disorder may, uh, you know, as it is a mood disorder, may swing back and forth from depression and mania. In my case, and and, and what I write about in. Electro Boy, which is an account of my battle with mental illness, I'd probably say that 99% of the episodes I talk about in my book um, would fall under the category of manic and maybe 1% under depression, which is why, I mean, but mine is not a typical story. Mine's a very typical story of someone, you know, deeply entrenched in mania for, you know, 10 years of their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I'm talking about mania, which you know, has you awake 96 straight hours, has you flying from New York to Paris to Tokyo. Uh, you know, you become involved, in, in my case, in counterfeiting art, ending up in prison. Um, and it's an illness of not really knowing that there are any consequences for your behavior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always tell people it's kind of, and, and, and it's funny because people with depression always say to me, God, I'd trade places with you in a minute. Do you know how terrible it is, you know, lying in bed? Do you know what the melancholy is like? And I always say, do you know what it's like, you know, metaphorically, you know, walking a tightrope knowing that there's no net underneath you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty mm-hmm. scary. Mm-hmm. Really scary. Sure. sure. Um, so, you know, when we talk about um, uh, bipolarism, uh, people, I think, who don't know anything about it. <clears throat> I think that, this, you know, a person has a a double personality or a split personality, um, uh, you know, almost almost analogous to multiple personality, only it's in two, which is not necessarily the case. So no, that's 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 another illness. I mean, it's the it's the it's the bipolar. It's the two polars that relate to the uh, the two moods, uh, the depression and the mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, you do make a good point because you know, it, 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 there are people who are bipolar who you know you can see you know they're on top of the world, they're high functioning, uh, they're you know at the top of their game and their careers and family life, and then you know, you know, with a snap, you know, they're they're they crash. And you know they're in bed for a week, you know, mm-hmm. and they are truly depressed. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it is funny. You're the first interviewer in ten years who's ever brought up the fact that, you know, it's uh, that that it could be like a split personality, but uh, <laughs> technically that's something else. But but yeah, I mean, it, it feels right. like that. I mean, my depressive episodes. I didn't even know who that. 
person was. I didn't know myself to be depressed. Now, did it come on, uh, you know, sometimes uh, uh, I guess there's just many different ways of, of, of how uh, bipolarism shows up. Sometimes, uh, it, you know, it's, it's uh, episodic. Sometimes it's, it's, it can be certain nutritional issues. Uh, uh, how, did it, how did it manifest for you? Uh, you know, for me, um, I, you know, I, it probably hit me hardest when I was about 22 years old. And I, moved, I, I graduated from college and I came to New York City, which is known as the city that never sleeps, which is not mm -hmm. great for somebody who's bipolar because, you know, everything is available to you 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just can't get enough. And I always used to say, this is such an illness of, of you know, consumption. You know, it's just like... All you want to do is experience. All you want to do is experience everything. I mean, I used to tell my parents, "Well, I'm not sure if I want to go to law school or med school. I think I might want to be a writer. I think I might want to uh, work in public relations. I may want to work on a gossip column." Or, and then this is where my parents became concerned. Or, you know, I'm also thinking about an, a career, at, you know, in NASA and space exploration. So I mean, <laughs> wow. that's when they became concerned. Right, but, you know, right. That's what we call that's what we call racing thoughts. I mean, you know, most people can process you know a couple thoughts at a time, but somebody who's bipolar, you know, is going 180 miles an hour and thinking about 200 things that they can do. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so for you, uh, Andy. Uh, how does one even know uh, that they are bipolar without some level of diagnosis? I mean, uh, because well, you know, at, at first you just you thought know, it was you. It was thought you just thought well, you were being you. Well, I, well, that's exactly that's what I always say to people. I just you know I was just Andy. Uh, yeah, uh, I was Andy, and I was outgoing, and I was, uh, I was. Uh, Social. I was the life of the party. You know, I always say I was the guy, you know, with a lampshade on my head and, you know, a margarita in both hands. Uh, I was the perfect employee. Why? Because, you know, I would work 14, 15, 16 hours a day. Sometimes I'd roll out some bubble wrap and sleep behind my desk. So I mm -hmm. always felt like people encouraged the illness. And back then, and, you know, we're talking, you know, 19... 85, so we're talking almost 30 years ago. It, it, time certainly flies. I mean, people encouraged me, and they didn't. Well, back, ladies and gentlemen, I had a little brief detour there where we uh, uh, lost Andy, but we were in the, Andy, you were in the middle of talking about the subtleties of um, trying to, you know, diagnose whether or not you have uh, manic depression or bipolarism or or depression, uh, because you were just being Andy. How do you know uh, when it when it's you? So so you can kind of pick up from there uh, as you were talking about uh, you know in in your situation in case it was just being really hyper creative uh, right. and I, and really good at what you do in the life of the party, which most people would just think, hey, you're a great guy to be around, <laughs> you know. Well, right, and, and and people did say that, but you know, I did go to extremes and. If I would, you know, I would, I could work 16-hour days. I could come home at the end of that. I could go out. I, you know, I said I, uh, you know, I could put a lampshade on my head, have a margarita in the left hand, a margarita in the right hand, 
I could out party everybody, and I, you know, I wouldn't even have to go to sleep, and I could start work up the next day. Um, and as I also said, you know, I mean, it was you know employers that you know encouraged the illness too in a way because they were getting they were getting more than a seven hour workday out of an employer. They were getting twice as much. They were getting a better bang for their buck, and they just thought they had someone on their hands who was. Uh, Super creative, super enthusiastic, and uh, just was willing to give it their all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, you know, we are prone to burning out. But sometimes, not burning out for quite some time. So you can go for a good three, four, five month stretch until you just finally say, "Wow, I am totally exhausted." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, you might not realize that you have a mental disorder. You just just think that again. That's just who you are. So let's talk about. Well, well I was going to say, you know, I mean, at that point, I mean, I became. Do you aware go and find help? Do you do you do you talk to somebody? I mean, how does well, that, how does the recovery or management, I should say, not recovery, but management begin? Right. And I appreciate that you said management because I don't I don't I don't believe necessarily in recovery from mental illness right. because I you know I live with it on a daily basis. It lurks around the corner, but you know. Um, with my story and the story that I tell in Electro Boy, I mean, I kind of knew I had uh, uh, overstepped the boundary of being healthy and not healthy when mm-hmm. I got involved in an art fraud case. Um, mm-hmm. I was working for an artist, promoting him legitimately, dealing his work legitimately, and then I began counterfeiting his artwork um, and selling it on my own uh, to the same clients. And instead of making a 15% commission, I was making a 100% commission. Uh, And then I started telling people, because I didn't think there were any consequences to telling people. I was telling friends, family, bartenders, waiters, anybody who would listen I would tell them my story, and everybody's reaction was very odd to me. Everyone's reaction was like, oh, my God. I mean, do you realize the jeopardy you're putting yourself into? And I mm-hmm. thought to myself, not really. I mean, it mm. seems, to be working, seems to be working just fine for me. But mm-hmm. then there's always that one friend who says, you know, you know, who's, in this case it was a, a friend from college who said to me, uh, and it was only upon her seeing that I had, you know, was – carrying hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, into, I I went to visit her in Canada. um, And, you know, she was able to say to me, you know, there's something off. What do you think it is? And I said, I don't know, but I just can't stop. And, uh, I mean, it it felt like a horrible addiction, not to Mm -hmm. mention that there were other addictions fueling the illness, and those addictions were alcohol, drugs, drugs, uh, lack of sleep, which actually was an addiction for me, uh, mm-hmm. sex mm-hmm. addiction. All these addictions were just kind of piling up on top of each other. So at that point, I went to see my first doctor. But I wasn't ready to go until I was ready to go. So I went and I saw eight doctors and I presented myself when I was depressed because why would I go to a psychiatrist when I was on top of the world? Mm-hmm. 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 So, uh, so I was misdiagnosed, 
you know, and and each doctor clearly said, you know, you're suffering from depression. You know, I mean, you just said that it took you three days to get out of bed to come here, and and of course I didn't say, you know, here's what's really going on in my life. You know, I'm a I'm a pimp, I'm a counterfeiter, I'm a hustler, I'm uh, running around the world going, you know, hundreds of miles an hour in, in my head, uh, flying from here to there, uh, flying, you know, 10, 20,000 miles a week. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it just took, it for me, it just took that, that, that crash, and that crash was a brush with the law um, to realize that there was something really wrong. Well, you mentioned you were misdiagnosed, which I think happens more times than not. I think they say with with people who are bipolar, I I think it's between eight and ten times. Which is crazy when you think of that number. I mean, that's out of control. Well, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of visits to a doctor, but you know. Now, 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 you you obviously now did you have to take medication? Did they subscribe medication or? Sure, sure. I mean, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning, uh, there was no medication. I mean, there was no medication that was prescribed for me because. we weren't even. It, it took a while. So once I was diagnosed with depression, and this this was the the, the advent of Prozac. So I was diagnosed mm. Prozac for my depression. I was diagnosed, you know, forty milligrams, which is a lot of Prozac, and uh, you know, it made me feel like higher than a kite. It made me feel higher than I was before, because an antidepressant is going to fuel mania, and. Uh, Mm-hmm. When I realized mm-hmm. when I realized how much more manic I had become on the Prozac, I decided to find, you know, as much as I could, you know, on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started abusing uh, the antidepressant, uh, and I just was, you know, you know, I was just orbiting the Earth at that point. So that didn't work. Um, and it, it wasn't until I got the right diagnosis that any medication would start working for me or could start working for me. And even then, it was such a problem finding the right combination of medications. So mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. over a period of like six years, I tried 45 medications. Like on an average day, I was on about 14 of them. And, you know, the side effects of some of these medications were so much worse than the illness. I mean, Parkinsonian syndrome, shaking, you know, not being able to eat with a fork and a knife, uh, you know, sleep disturbances. I mean, every single side effect you could think of. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Well, uh, that brings me to another point, uh, and that is uh, obviously there are people who are going to be mis- misdiagnosed with this. Uh, there, then there's other people who are probably going to uh, be abused uh, by uh, some of the drugs that they are uh, trying out. Um, sure. You you have uh, had a problem with and, and created a YouTube video, I believe, uh, uh, about uh, one particular drug uh, that is supposed to, uh, you know, kind of be the end all to depression. Um, you want well, to talk about see, that? well, the, the drug you're the drug you're talking about is a drug called Abilify, which is the second fastest selling. Uh, drug in this country, not just psych drug, but any kind of drug. And Abilify was originally uh, developed to treat schizophrenia, and then the FDA approved it um, right before 2005. 
for bipolar disorder, and now it's prescribed as an adjunct treatment for depression. And because of Electro Boy and because I was traveling and I was speaking about um, bipolar disorder, uh, Bristol Myers Squibb approached me and asked if I would come talk uh, to you know their audiences, their drug reps, uh, psychiatrists about Abilify. Um, and uh, let me tell you, it was uh, was not the right drug for me. Not the right drug at all. It's a it's a much more involved story, but the point is, here I was standing in front of three thousand people touting how effective Abilify was, when it created some of the worst side effects of any drug I had ever taken. I mean, mm. cognitive impairment, uh, something called akesthesia, when you know it's. It has nicer term like restless leg syndrome or just restlessness in general. But for me, it was like the creepy crawlies. And I knew after four weeks when my assistant came into the office and, A, I thought she was a stranger. I didn't know what she was doing there and I didn't know her name. I knew that Abilify was really messing with my cognitive impairment and I was severely agitated. And uh, I came off the drug after, you know, about four weeks. But I was still, I was still contracted to work for Bristol Myers Squibb. So, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so, uh, so, where are you now with all of it? Uh, with with uh, Abilify uh, and oh, I mean, I you know, uh, Abilify is a drug that you know does work for some people, although it's really clear in two tests that a placebo is more effective than Abilify and, and Abilify is a drug that uh if your insurance company is paying great, but it can cost between twelve hundred and eighteen hundred dollars a month um and if your doctor's prescribing it for you and doctors prescribe this drug more frequently than any other psych drug right now mm-hmm. um in fact. Bristol Myers Squibb in California is under indictment for uh, allegedly bribing doctors to prescribe this drug. There's a case where a doctor wrote 53 prescriptions in one day because 53 prescriptions in one day, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for the company. Mm-hmm. You've got somebody sure, sure. spending $1,800 a month for 12 months with their insurance company paying if they're lucky. If not, you know, unfortunately, they're paying for it themselves, and God knows what it's doing to them. But, you know, the side effects of this drug that I hear from other people are worse than any other any other drugs, um, and, and, and that always kind of surprised me. I said, there's got to be something wrong with Abilify that it's uh, it's creating such, you know, such you know devastation in people's lives. I mean, these are the worst side effects I've heard. So, what uh, what would you recommend to people listening to this listening to this interview? Some resources where they can pick up a phone uh, or go to a website and sure. Uh, I mean, you know, I think some, that some proactive things in their own lives. Sure, I, you know, I think the first thing is to realize that you know if you feel like you're suffering from mental illness, whether it's depression, bipolar disorder, or anxiety, um, you know, possibly even schizophrenia, uh, that, you know, 20% of Americans, which is almost 60 million people at some point in their lives, suffer with mental illness. It's a lot of people. It's like one in five. 
I mean, I used to speak in audiences and say, you know, does anybody know anybody, uh, you know, who suffers with a mental illness? And I, I would see very few hands. Uh, so the one is that cliche, you are not alone. Second, uh, you know, getting care and getting, you know, the appropriate care is, is going to be the hardest thing to do, but you've got to make an attempt. I mean, if you're, uh, if you're, if you have, uh, no insurance or really not such great insurance, you're at a real deficit. I mean, it's going to be super tough. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, you may be waiting quite a long time to see a doctor for a diagnosis. But, you know, initially do, do some research. You know, you've got to share this information with, you know, friends or a family member. I mean, you know, for starters, and I mean, the Internet, unlike where it was 10, 12 years ago, is full of information on bipolar disorder. I mean, my website is a good starting point if when it comes to bipolar disorder and depression, and that's just, you know, electroboy.com. Um, but, you know, I mean, what I, what I would always recommend is that, you you know, you try to get treatment. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're in serious trouble, you go to an emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think your life is in danger, you go to emergency room. Uh, if you can get uh, private care through insurance or through any kind of uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Medi-Cal here, uh, you know, try that. There's there's some great support groups. There's NAMI, the National Association of Mentally Ill. There's DBSA, Depression Bipolar Support Alliance. I mean, there's more support out there than there was a decade ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you see it getting better? Do you see it getting better and uh, uh, for people with bipolarism and and, and various different uh, uh, sure uh, because there's there's you know there's less shame and discrimination. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's still there. It's still pretty overwhelming for somebody's life to be you know you know in disaster and to have to acknowledge you know to you know their boss or to coworkers hey. I've got to take time off. Like I'm not well. Mm-hmm. However, you know, mm-hmm. if you had if you had cancer, you'd have no problem telling anyone that. You wouldn't show up to work if you if you had, you know, heart condition. You know, your doctor would say, you know, you're not going to work for two months. But if you tell mm-hmm. your boss, well, you know, guess what? I have this thing called bipolar disorder. It used to be called manic depression. You know, I can't come in for two months. You know, I've got to have, you know, I've got to be evaluated. I need treatment. I may need, in my case. I, I may need electroshock therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, your boss is going to look at you and say, oh, my God, I've got this huge liability on my hands. This could be something that could take five, six years. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. So you need to be mindful of your of your environment and who you uh, share this with and, and, and how that information is, is uh, uh, protected. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, it it, it can come back to really, you know, Hit you hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Excellent. Well, my friend, I appreciate there, there, you. There are, there are great resources out there. There really are. Uh, it's just I would be lying if I said, you know, once you identify the problem and once you're diagnosed, treatment's going to be easy because right. any treatment is ridiculously expensive and it's not that accessible in this country. Sure. Sure. But we do have something great coming up, and that's called Obamacare. Um, and we'll see how that works. Well, we're hoping that that does work out and uh, works very, very well for those who are uh, 
uh, especially for those who are disenfranchised. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you absolutely. Know, uh, I mean, never had a voice uh, in 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 their own. Uh, active healthcare proactively. Uh, exactly, and not to mention that of those disenfranchised, you know, there are 500,000 people in the, uh, even more now, in the in the federal prison system, who have mental illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, prisons have kind of become like a just like a holding place for people who really just need treatment. And then when you look at the crimes they've, a lot of these people have committed, you know, I mean, they're directly related to their mental illness. Mm -hmm. Excuse Mm -hmm. it, but they'd be much better off uh, actually in treatment. So that makes, that's, that's that's a a very poignant point. Uh, But I mean, the the prison system in this country is, you know, it, it, it employs more people than most other businesses. (laughs) Right, right, right. Millions right. of people. The Bureau of Prisons is huge. So uh, a lot of money in prisons. Uh, a lot, a lot of, money of money locking people uh, people up. A lot um, of money locking people up. And a lot of money in uh, in uh, big pharma. You know, so mm-hmm, it's a, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a touchy one. Well, here's what I want to do, Andy. We're running out of time now, but I would love to have you come back and let's have that another conversation. Yeah, that was that fast. Was fast. It was great, though. It was wonderful because every time I talk to you, it's like, uh, you know, we talk about a million miles of things, uh, and it, we, we cover a lot of ground. But I do want to have you come back and, and, and talk a little bit more about, uh, uh, you know, health, the new health care situation, some of the new okay. things that are coming up. Uh, okay. And uh, I know also you're going to be doing some some things with the book and and some some kind of new we can't talk about it right now some kind of hot things that's getting ready to happen in your life so I want to have you come back and we talk about those things as well. 